You're listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with host Howard Bender and John and Themba. What's going on, everybody? John and Pemby here with Howard Bender. This is the Fantasy Alarm NFL DFS Podcast. Howard and I, number two of the week. Now, this time we are previewing Sunday's main slate. We have 11 games here, Howard, on the main slate after the, the nice Thanksgiving Day slate that we have previously recorded a podcast for. Got to sit down on Turkey Day and watch, uh, I don't know, three if, eh, eh, nothing special uh, with those games there. But now we can turn our attention to the main slate. We can definitely do that. But, you know, I mean, let's let's pound our chests a little bit here and, and remind everybody the first three. I mean, come on. Josh Reynolds touchdown. I gave that to you on flipping Tuesday. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Monday. Even I gave it to you. Whatever. Josh Reynolds. I gave you that. He touchdown. was in the watch list. You had him out there. Andrew Cooper gave you Jimmy Graham. Stupid touchdown. Right. You did. And he and then, and, as his top tight end for Thanksgiving. What's that? Yeah, Dalton Schultz as his top tight end for the Thanksgiving games. Who had a touchdown and then had one called back, too. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And then and then how about the the first touchdown of the of the Raiders game? Raiders Cowboys game. Who gave you Deshaun Jackson? Oh yeah, John and Pemba did on this very podcast that we do. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of that one. That was a I mean, listen, big play guy. Uh snap count starting to go up and he has had a history against Dallas. So glad to cash that ticket early. Right. It was great. It was like the first three meaningful touchdowns of the game were all of the Thanksgiving slate were brought to you by us. Right. I mean, come on. Like, I mean, what more do you want, people? <laughs> right. What more do you, do you want us to set your lineups for you for crying out loud? Some of them. Yes. Some of them want us. To <laughs> some of them. Yes. Please do. Please do. All right, let's uh, let's, let's keep let's the momentum get, going though. Huh? Let's keep that momentum going. Yeah, listen, it's only ten games this on this slate, so it's consolidated for sure. Only three late games, and one of the late games it better be better than the uh, than the the last week's late games, which all turned out to be crap. But I'm kind of eyeballing this Minnesota San Francisco game as a, as a game that's going to give me a little bit of a, a little bit of a boost here points wise. Yeah, and you're right. I actually think that these late games, we talk a lot about playing the late night hammer or playing the late slate hammer when it comes to building a lineup, which means you just kind of stack in some of these games, some of these plays to give you the the, the late edge there. And I actually love these matchups too. So we'll get we'll get into that. I like, but you know, Minnesota, San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles Rams versus Green Bay Packers and the Chargers versus Broncos, I think. all have a lot of high-end talent that can do a lot of damage in DFS. So we'll come across and highlight those players as we come. But Howard, let's kick it off at the quarterback position. Tom Brady's the top-priced quarterback on the slate. We know Brady's, you know, differences between his home production versus his road production. At home this season, he has 20 touchdowns in five games. On the road, same five games, just nine touchdowns with five interceptions. That being said, he's still averaging almost 22 DraftKings points on the road this season. He gets a Colts defense, which is getting better, but still, I think, a bit exploitable. How do you feel about Tom Brady as the top price player? Yeah, I, obviously, I like Brady a lot. And I was on the Fantasy Alarm show earlier today talking quarterbacks and talking about the fact Brady's home road splits are so, so like dramatic. It was like that one game against the Saints in the Superdome. And that was it. Like every other game that you know that he plays on the road, 
I mean, it just doesn't come through with the uh, with the touchdown passes that he does at home. Now, you do have, you got Rocky Asin on one side, you got Kenny Moore on the other as not strong cover corners. The strength of that, that Colts defense, though, it is the pass rush. And, and if you can rattle Brady, we've seen him struggle when teams that are blitzing him get to him quickly or quicker than he would like. And he doesn't really have the he, he doesn't really have the dump off weapons that you would like to think. Sure, he's got the tight end, and sure Chris Godwin coming out of the slot might be the case. But that being said, is it is the pass rush gonna be strong enough? Can Bruce Arians maybe just stick with some two wide receiver sets and go with a, a, a double tight end to give more product pro, more protection on the line to give Brady more time to find Evans and Godwin downfield. I think that is definitely something that can happen. He is pricey, but you know, out of the quarterbacks on this slate for the day, I mean, that's real kind of where I'm looking at paying up and it's either going to be, I'm either going to pay as high as Brady or I'm going to go as low as Joe Burrow slash Kirk Cousins. But I don't think I'm doing anything beyond that. Yeah, I have some interest in Stafford, even though it's in Green Bay. I just, I'm a little bit of a believer in giving Odell a real chance to have more time to develop with this offense. He played like five, I think it was, he played like five snaps or whatever the heck it was that he ran out there. He was maybe just, maybe it was five routes run or some low number that he was out on the field for in that first game because he, he signed on like that Friday and suited up on Monday. Now he's had the whole week, he had the bye week to get things ready and maybe acclimated a little bit more. I know that the Rams haven't played well in the last two games they had lost, but I think coming out of the bye, I, I think this could be a matchup for them. We just saw both Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson have good games against this Green Bay secondary. So for me, it's Brady and Stafford, but then after that, like I agree with you. I don't think I'm going much else than, than that mid-tier there with the Borough, who has been streaky of late as well even though they're at home I, I think that's certainly a play that you take a look at and then it's just value after that it's under 6k guys right and and i don't even want to go with the uh with the value there some things that are bothering me jalen hurts i don't know if it's because i said i don't think the giants are, are a good defense at all right am i no, drinking not, the no. am i drinking the kool-aid on this offense here where suddenly miles sanders is now a thing again and Jalen Hurts is averaging 56 rushing yards per game, and he's got six rushing touchdowns. Granted, three of them came last week. So the question is, am I am I invested? I think I'm looking at Hurts in a GPP kind of. I'll stack some Eagles and see kind of a thing. I don't want to. Normally, I, I I can trust a mobile quarterback in cash games, but I just don't. You know, with his price climbing the way it is, I I don't know if I want to invest anymore. Yeah, so like this is my biggest thing with him, and, and it's hard to you know argue against his three rushing touchdowns because that's like in his game, right? That's part of what he can bring to the table is that rushing upside with him. But he's an iffy at best passer, so you're paying the second highest price quarterback, needing him to basically run four touchdowns, right? So to me, I, I just don't want to go ahead and invest. I think that's far too tricky. Plus, I know that you're wondering about Sanders, but I think that they're committed to what they just put on the on the field last week. You saw before that last week how essentially they had been running the ball 60% of their snaps. Basically, I mean, since the Miles Sanders injury, they when they were giving Howard and Scott and everybody all those carries, and then they go out and give 16 more carries to the Sanders in his return game. So I think they are committed to the run. So in that aspect, like if they do get down there, there's definitely a chance that Hurts runs it, but... Um, 
too much of a struggle for me. You said you don't like any of the value, huh? I'm kind. Of, I kind of like Garoppolo against Minnesota. Again, the, the weapons that he has to his to his disposal: Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk is coming on strong. They still have George Kittle. Minnesota, they haven't had. They don't have a great pass defense. They play competitive uh, games, which I like. Last week with San Francisco, the problem was they were up so big that they just ran out the clock on Jack. I don't think Minnesota is going to be running, being put in a position where they're getting blown out all of a sudden by San Francisco here. I think this is a game where both teams are going to have to go back and forth. And, and Garoppolo at 5,700, I mean, this is, again, a guy uh, that has at least two touchdown passes in three straight weeks. The thing that held him back the last two weeks were the blowouts, 31-10, 30-10, worth of two total. So he only attempted 19 passes. He only attempted 22 passes. In a more competitive game, he may throw for 300 yards and two scores in this one. So I actually do really like Jimmy Garoppolo this week. And I, and I think that his price tag being what it's at, it makes it easier to pair up and stack with an expensive Debo Samuel or an expensive George Kittle. Even Brandon Ayuk on this slate, Howard, is a nice little mid-tier price at 5,300. So if you wanted to go just double value there, like I think Garoppolo for me may be my number two overall quarterback, truthfully. I think it may go Brady Garoppolo uh, as my top two favorite guys of the lives around this week. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota's past defense has definitely gotten a lot better in in recent weeks. I know that they've, they went from being the third best DVOA team against the past to now eighth right now, giving up 250 yards per game. I don't know. I just, I, I feel like they've been better. I think they're a better team than what their numbers are there. So they play their rankings kind of. Yeah, they play competitive football, which is what I like. And we're looking at just the three-point total. It's a 49 over under, which I'm looking right. Is that the highest? the second, second highest, highest of the main second. slate so yeah. You know. yeah i mean okay i'd rather just invest in cousins than garoppolo okay just because i know that cousins i i know that i, I know what how cousins is gonna throw the ball like sure. i know what he's gonna do that's true and, and we saw debo last week run for touchdowns right so we saw debo <laughs> run for touchdowns we've yeah. just that that whole aspect of the game there's still a run first team they're supposed to be a run first team but right. i don't know I guess maybe more will depend on what happens with Elijah Mitchell. Because sure. um, if Mitchell's out, right, then yeah. I might be more into Garoppolo because, you know, uh, Jeff Wilson is just average at best. Michael Hasty's already banged up. Right. So they don't really have much. They don't have enough on the ground. Okay. So maybe that's what it is. And just the, uh, the courtesy mention of Cam Newton. No. Okay. I'll ask you this. I'm pretty sure you produced the. Did you produce the? Uh, no, you didn't produce the uh, the the wager alarm live stream this week. I did. That was me. Was that you? It was me. All right. So then the, the question that I asked Craig Mish, I'll ask you. If Cam Newton is so good and Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, not Jimmy Garoppolo, Cam Newton is so good and uh, and Christian McCaffrey is the be all end all, like why is this just a two point game? Not only is this a two point game. All right, but then the over/under is only 41 and a half, which is like the lowest on the slate. Yep, I I, I completely understand that, and I think you and I actually discussed this on the Fantasy Alarm show as well about the Miami flu, right? Ah, I, I, the Miami flu. You are correct, sir. So so I think that could possibly have a little bit to do with it. For those who maybe aren't familiar with the Miami flu narrative, basically. Teams struggle when they play in Miami because the nightlife, they're out there the night before, they're partying on Saturday, and then they got to wake up and play at 1 p.m. because Miami's never playing in the 4 o'clock slate. So they're just banged out, and they're they're getting up, and they're hungover, and they're playing slow, and it's hot, it's humid, and, and they're just not acclimated to it. 
I will say that Carolina, though, they're used to that sort of weather, right? Like they play in hot weather in Carolina. They're used to humidity. Tom Brady used to go down there all the time and lose because they're playing in the Northeast and they would go down there and they just got too hot. You know, that's what they always said. Like it's so much hotter on the field than it is, you know, anywhere else in the stadium. And they just struggle down there. But Cam Newton and Carolina, they know the heat. I get that it's a low-scoring team. I think that's more indicative of, again, maybe the Miami offense itself isn't really great. Carolina still, you know, Carolina still struggles a bit offensively. I mean, last week they still lost to Washington, but it's just Cam Newton's overall ability where we talked about not needing to stack with Josh Allen yesterday because Josh Allen sort of does all of the, he is the production for Buffalo. To an extent, Cam Newton's that as well. Uh, And while we looked at Cam Newton last year, as bad as he was as like a real life quarterback, there were weeks where he was like fantasy wise, he was a legitimate QB one near QB one overall because of his running ability. So Christian McCaffrey teams do have to worry about him and that opens up the RPO. It opens things up. So again, is he my core quarterback to this week? No, but you know, a guy that can give you that upside, I think always has to at least be consideration when he's under $6,000. He's all yours. Hey, he was the cover <laughs> of the QB coach last week. He went for 26. So <laughs> anyways, let's go, let's go to the running backs position here. The million dollar question of the week is, can Jonathan Taylor crack the Tampa Bay run defense? From a DFS standpoint, I'm not going to pay $9,100 on DraftKings to find out. Yeah, I, it is going to be the ultimate contrarian play. Nobody played him last week against Buffalo because Buffalo's perceived strong run run defense, right? Derrick Henry was the, the only running back that ran all over them. But if you paid attention to realizing that Derrick Henry, the caliber of running back that he was one that had success, and you played Taylor, I think he was only again, 4% owned last week, he killed it. Now, again, Tampa Bay is shut down running backs of all kinds. Stuffed Ezekiel Elliott in opening night. We've seen them have success shutting down the running game, but no back is running as good as Jonathan Taylor is right now. So no. you know, it's just the question that's posed, and I think it's a risky play. But if you're playing a three max, I think one of those three lineups should have Jonathan Taylor in it. Yeah, I agree with you here. <coughs> Excuse me. They Tampa does rank 27th in DVOA against the running back pass play. And we've been seeing we've been seeing Jonathan Taylor catching passes out of the backfield, catching touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean I won't do it in cash games, but for GPP, yeah. And 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 the beautiful thing is that you don't have to worry about a stack. You just use him as a one-off. Yeah, exactly. You're right. You're not stacking him. You're just playing him. Exactly. So yeah. I mean, are you? Wow. See, I've got a couple of lineups already built in anticipation of this, but I might have to just see what happens if I follow John and Pemba's advice here. And as we're just kind of going through this, I bring to you a, 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 a gate, a lineup where I use Jimmy Garoppolo. How about that? I like it. I mean, we're, I mean, we always build our lineups for the uh, for the podcast. So I'll, I'll tell you right now that Jimmy G is in that lineup for me as well. Oh, really? I thought you'd go Tom Brady. All right, I'll have a Tom Brady lineup too. But I'm gonna I'm gonna see what happens if I use a, a, a little of this, a little of that. Because again, don't feel like you need to go with like the full stack for San Francisco. I mean, I wouldn't mind. Well. I mean, do I really want to go with Garoppolo and Kittle? What's what's the bug up Coop's ass about Kittle this year, this week? I don't He's know. got him on the fade list. He's got him on the fade list this week, huh? and that's in his tight end coach. I haven't had a chance to check the tight end coach quite yet, but let me go. Let me go take a peek see and see what he is. What it is about 
who it's all about who they have in coverage. So let's see who they have in coverage here. The teams don't throw much against the Vikings because they're so bad against the run. They're basically he's basically saying that the they're just gonna run too much on Minnesota. They ranked so poorly BBOA. They're without Everson Everson Griffin as well. They're gonna keep Kittle in more to block because he's actually an elite, like a, an elite level run blocker, is what Coop is saying. So he's basically insinuating that you don't even want Garoppolo. Yeah, he's well, he's just saying that they're not going to throw to Kittle because they're going to run a lot, correct? They're not going to throw to Kittle because they're going to run a lot. Which, again, so here's where here here's where Coop and I disagree sometimes with that philosophy. Rob Gronkowski is one of the best run-blocking tight ends in football, too. They keep him into pass block uh, or run block a ton, and he still goes for six for 80 and two scores, right? So I, I am not necessarily in on the fade there. He's, but I understand. I understand where he comes from in that in that idea. Okay. All right. So yeah. All right. I'm with you there. Hmm. Gonna have to find me as I build this line up here. Keep going. Move uh, on with the running backs. McCaffrey's nine. McCaffrey's nine K against Miami. Uh, you have Austin Eckler against Denver. Eckler coming off that monster game last, where he had four total touchdowns. Hard to project that again, but we know he's very much involved in the passing game for PPR. Najee Harris against Cincinnati. Ben Roethlisberger is active. They've already said that for this week. They just don't run efficiently, right? So you need him to get that overall volume of work to pay it off against Cincinnati earlier this year, though, Howard. 14 carries for 40 yards, not great. 14 catches yeah. for 102 yards, though. What did he have, like 19 targets that time? He did have 19 targets that game. And Cincinnati, Howard, is allowing the most receptions to running backs this season. So a lot of that probably has to do with this one game. But this is a guy that is very much involved in the passing offense. So Cincinnati struggles against running backs on the backfield. Najee Harris had 102 yards receiving on 14 catches in that game. So uh, yeah, maybe maybe the Harris train rolls on, not as a running back necessarily, but because of the passing game there. Uh, and then Dalvin Cook wraps up that the AK tier here against San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, obviously I love Cook. The Najee Harris play obviously is something to pay attention to. Dalvin Cook, I really like Joe Mixon in this matchup too. You know, I think I don't even remember what Mixon did against the. Did he not play in that game against Pittsburgh in like week three? Uh, he, I think he did. He miss a game or did he was he limited in the game? Let's see. One one of the two. I kind of remember he did that. Play 18 carries for 90 yards, one catch for four. Okay, all right. So he did play. It wasn't the greatest of games. I mean, he averaged five yards a carry. They just didn't score. Uh, they got T.J. Watt coming back also. That's not going to help. Yeah, either. they're fully healthy that, in that team. All right, so Cook, yeah. Looking further down. I love James Robinson this week, dude. Yeah. I now really that, do. Now, now that he's off the questionable tag, I'm with you there. Robinson's just going to be involved, completely involved in this offense. I'm big on that. I like I think Henderson at 58 is a good bargain. I uh, do too. Yep. Against Green Bay. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think the, the price on him, I mean – 5,800 is the cheapest we've seen him since week four. You know, he's been up over 6K. He's been as high as 7K this season. So you're getting him $800 cheaper than he was the last slate against San Francisco. I think you take advantage of here against Green Bay in the mid-tier if you wanted to. We like the Denver running backs. Melvin Gordon's the cover of the watch list this week. So we know that we're in there. And then if you believe in the running game, I mean... It sucks he didn't score, but Sanders did have 16 for 94, and he's 5,100. 
5100. Yeah, no, listen, I'm with you. I'm with you. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, I like, I, it's funny. That's the group of backs that I actually kind of, I'm looking at. It's like, I'll, I'll pay as high as 6200 on DraftKings for Robinson. I mean, listen, I, obviously you love those top tier backs, but you might not necessarily have to deal with this with Robinson going up against Atlanta. Henderson against Green Bay, that defense is a run funnel. Melvin Gordon and then Miles Sanders. I think that all, you know, one guy above 6K, everybody else between six, between five and six definitely makes for, for a little bit more interesting in your lineups. Yeah, definitely makes it a little bit more interesting in your lineups. Value running backs, Howard. What's happening with your New York Jets? Michael Carter is out. Kevin Coleman got snaps last week and Ty Johnson, of course, and many people are expecting to be a primary back in this offense. Yeah, the funny thing is, though, is that when Carter went out last week, it was Tevin Coleman who actually yeah. saw more uh, more work, especially between the tackles. I think that's kind of where they're going to do it, that, that Tevin Coleman could be the early down back and then utilize uh, Ty Johnson more in the passing attack here. You know, I just wrote my article in the New York Post about the uh, these running backs here, Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman, David Johnson, Rex Burkhead, he's in that range also. It's they're not none of them are gonna pop you like world beating numbers, but they're all kind of just they're sitting there, all below, you know, forty five hundred or, or cheaper on DraftKings. And and neither run defense is any good. Like the Jets have given up the most rushing touchdowns this season. And then Houston is like the third most rushing yards allowed. Like it's just it's it is the resistible force against the movable object. Yeah, no, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how to see how that uh, works. And I think likewise, Howard, the running backs opposite of that matchup. I mean, the Jets have allowed the most rushing touchdowns to running backs this season. Rex Burkhead, David Johnson. I mean, Philip Lindsay's gone. Burkhead led the team in carries last week. It's gross. This is why you don't like playing on DraftKings anymore. You'd rather go play on FanDuel because they don't make you consider these options to find the right plays. Yeah, but it's brutal, man. It's four running backs, $4,500 or cheaper on DraftKings yeah. that are all in good matchups, but yet all four share the workload. So it's you could get away with one of them as a flex, but which one would you use? Ty Johnson in full point PPR, right? I, I don't think I would ever just – I don't think I could ever use Tevin Coleman. I just don't think I could ever do <laughs> Couldn't that. Couldn't bring yourself to do it. I could. I, I don't think – I could use Burkhead on FanDuel and then David Johnson or, or Ty Johnson on DraftKings. I, I think that's kind of where it is. And then I still don't feel good about it. <laughs> I don't blame you. But, again, those are – the value guy, those guys will get touches this week. So that's the, I guess that's the hangup, right? At, at some point, those guys are going to get the football handed off or thrown. And you're just hoping, I guess, for the fade, right? You're hoping that they don't uh, make any sort of impact. So you don't be forced to play them. Let's go to the uh, just I'll sum up with, with one final thing, because this actually, this goes back to, I think, the part of the discussion you and I had before Thanksgiving. Sure. Right, is that you've got two really bad teams and you're expecting their running backs running against these bad defenses to do something, right? To do and I was like, I was bullish on that that Lions Bears game. And we had Swift and we had uh, we had Montgomery locked in to our lineups. Now, Swift got hurt, but you know, it's not like Jamalfa Williams did anything crazy in that right. game either. 
So it's like, all right, did we not learn our lesson from two shitty teams playing against each other on Thanksgiving to going back to the well and thinking that like these two shitty teams are somehow going to yield something strong for fantasy points? It's true. Strong point. Strong point that you actually made the other night when I was like, yeah, 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 deep out. You're like, they they still suck. They still suck. I did tell you that, but hey, you know what? Josh Reynolds (laughs) still found the end zone, so it doesn't matter. So yeah, no, I agree. It is. They're like salary saving plays only, right? You're not like I, this won't be like it was two weeks ago when my when it was what Ramondre Stevenson, Mark Ingram, and who who was the what's Will Dearness Johnson, right? And they were all 4,500 and they were all 35% owned. They were the chalk, right? That won't be this week. Those 4K running backs will not be the highest roster, so uh, you don't have to worry about making them fit into your lineup. Wide receivers, Howard, at the top, we got 9,600 Cooper Cup going up against Green Bay. Opposite of him, $8,600. Devontae Adams is $1,000 less than Cooper Cup here. Got to figure Adams likely locked in on that Jalen Ramsey coverage. Uh, I know Ramsey hasn't shadowed many this year, but, you know, come on. Is is Ramsey going to waste his time on Randall Cobb, or is he going to cover Devontae Adams? So, for me, those are the top two price guys. If you can fit Cooper Cup in your lineup, I'm game. Other than that, I'm probably not spending up for Adams. No, I'm probably not spending up for Adams either. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough pill to swallow, especially when you look at like the rest of the wide receiver position. You're like, okay, I can pay down for, I mean, Justin Jefferson is kind of in, he's in that range, right? Mm -hmm. He's like the third most expensive guy on DraftKings. So you look at, at Jefferson, but I mean, that's still... I mean, it's $1,300 less than Cooper Cup, which is huge. Yeah. And at this price tier also, 300 less than Devontae Adams is pretty It's pretty nice also. So I kind of feel like, I mean, again, when you talk about Jonathan Taylor and paying up for him versus the other guys, I, same spot, Jefferson and Debo Samuel at 83 and 79 on DraftKings. It just makes it easier to build a lineup around those two than it will for Cup and Adams. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's definitely easier to build a lineup around them than going all the way up here. Let's go mid-tier, Howard. If we're looking at guys that you can build uh, your lineup around, we ha- we have Jamar Chase against Pittsburgh. We have the two Tampa Bay wide receivers. Mike Evans looks like a good to go, 7,200. Godwin, 7K. Thoughts on, on that grouping there? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's definitely a solid grouping. I think if I'm building a lineup with Tom Brady, I'm I'm diving into pairing him up with Godwin or Evans and making that happen. I I mean, Chase had two touchdowns when he faced the Steelers earlier. It wasn't, it was like four catches for 65 yards, but he got into the end zone twice. So I don't know, maybe they scheme against him. Thielen, I think is in a good spot here against San Francisco. I mean, I like this group. I really, so the question is, can you go into the differing tiers and go one high price guy, use like a Justin Jefferson at 83, and then can you still get in one of these guys without having to pay down too far later on down the road with the rest of your lineup can you fit two of these guys in who are each over 7k in on draft game yeah no definitely good calls on that one I, I think what's interesting here is again the sub 6k grouping I mean are you buying into Elijah Moore the way he's been performing Mike Williams finally had a huge breakout game uh, against Pittsburgh last week five for 97 and a score granted 53 of that came on that big play but that's what Mike Williams is He's a big play receiver. 
Michael Pittman, 5,600 against Tampa Bay secondary. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk, as I mentioned, at 5,300. Thoughts on like this under 6K group? Yeah, uh, Zach Wilson being back with, with the Jets. So I'm less bullish on Moore, even though it's an easy matchup here. I mean, I, I would probably, if I'm going to pick a Jets receiver, it would probably be Moore, only because Wilson likes throwing that hero ball up. Williams, I Mike Williams, I like. I love Pittman, obviously. I mean, Pittman is, he'll probably see a lot of Jamel Dean, but they don't shadow in in Tampa Bay at all. So he'll be able to be moved around a little bit. And I think that Pittman is a uh, is a rock solid play. I definitely do. I'm, I'm in on him. But I think that's kind of, from that range, it's kind of, I mean, I don't mind Jalen Waddle because in PPR formats, he just... He gets volume. I'm not going to get in on the Brandon Cook situation, even though it's against the Jets, because it's still, it's Terod Taylor, and he's just, he's really not that good of a passer. Mm-hmm. He really isn't. So I think I pass over there. I look towards a little lower end there. T. Higgins always kind of in play for me. I have Marvin Jones in the watch list, but I'm definitely tilting more towards LaVisca Chenault as the cheaper option, especially because he's going to be working out of the slot now instead of being in on the outside. So, yeah, you said Ayuk. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm just, I'm not bullish on Ayuk. I, I'm, I mean, the only thing I like about him is the snaps are higher than they've been in most of this season, and now the targets are there. Um, and it all kind of coincides with, like, his press conference where he said, basically, like, I started taking practice seriously, right? You never really want to hear a player being like, yeah, I wasn't really trying too hard on the practice field, and you know, my coaches, my teammates finally made it stick that they don't trust me on the practice field. They're not going to trust me on the game field. And now we're seeing that work pay off. You say something like that and you kind of think, I guess that makes sense why he struggled. But since that press conference, right, like he's been pretty nailed. So I'm going to kind of just go on a limb and believe that that he's buying now and, and kind of run it, run it out from there. But yeah, I think he's certainly in play. Van Jefferson at 4,900, I think is interesting uh, because even if Odell Beckham plays more, right? Van Jefferson was still seeing a ton of snaps, still seeing a good amount of targets when Robert Woods was healthy. So I think he still has a little bit of a leg on Odell here as well. So I like Van Jefferson, $4,900 a lot. And you mentioned Chenault. I'm with you there. Now that they're going to move him back inside, we we, we trust that he's going to move back. And you know, I think that there's a, a value to be had at 4400 Yeah, I mean, basically, Urban Meyer came out and basically said that he – wants to use Chenault like the 49ers use Debo Samuel. Yeah, that's what I yeah. tweeted. I said, I hope they use him like Debo. Did he actually say they're going to use him like Debo? No, he didn't say it. Okay. But when Debo runs out of the slot for the most part, yeah. and he's the guy you know, doing all those stupid jet sweeps and sitting in the backfield on certain plays. So, I mean, if Chenault is, you know, is utilized in that fashion, it's definitely going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, this is what happens, right? Everybody sees the success from somebody else, from another player doing it, and they copy it themselves. You had Burrell Patterson doing that for Atlanta, and he was looking really good. And now all of a sudden, Debo, when when Mitchell got hurt, and all of a sudden they started giving Debo more carries, and that worked. So now you've got J- Jacksonville saying, oh, well, we're going to do this with Chenault, and we're going to see if that works. And then we'll just we'll start to see like a steady progression where teams start using more of that wide receiver hybrid until finally in three years, Ron Rivera will do that with Antonio Gibson. Yeah. Okay. And he'll actually catch a fucking. But the sad part about that is Curtis Samuel's expected to play this week. And that is the Ron Rivera Debo Samuel. So, yeah, we'll see what happens if Samuel 
if Curtis Samuel this week actually can get on the and get any semblance of, of production. Sterling Shepard has already been ruled out. Uh, Canarius Tony is doubtful to play. Any interest in Galladay or Slayton against Philadelphia? No. <laughs> Fair enough. Move Kenny Galladay sucks. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Slayton, but Kenny Galladay, he's just... He just doesn't seem right for this offense. He doesn't seem it doesn't seem like he's got any connection with with Daniel Jones. Not to mention the today? fact that we have to see what this offense is going to look like now that they fired Jason Garrett. Right. Did you see the, what did you see his comments from today? No, what were they? They asked if he was happy with his involvement in the offense and he says, "I'll keep those comments to myself." There it is. <laughs> so, there Kenny Galladay also last week caught a ball out of bounds. Daniel Jones threw the football to him and he was just standing out of bounds. So just that's a man that does not care at the moment or was just going through the motions. The fact that he couldn't even find where to stand in inbounds instead of catching the first down pass out of bounds. So it was incomplete. So just a lack of awareness, apparently, by Galladay there, who signed the contract to play with them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Got paid. He was like, I can't believe these idiots are going to pay me after I busted up my hip. No kidding. Any of the New England or Tennessee receivers for you? No Julio Jones, no A.J. Brown for Tennessee this week. No, 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 no. I, I mean, as far as you just, you never know which New England receiver is going to be, you know, is it Bourne this week? Is it Aguilar this week? Will Jacoby Myers ever score his second touchdown? I, I mean, I'd like to find some value down in those like cheap ranges, but overall, I just, I, I mean, they're beyond dart throws. Yeah. I, <laughs> beyond dart throws is a, a good way to describe it. Any interest? And Jamison Crowder at all this week. Again, not really sure how he's going to gel with uh, with Zach Wilson. So I would probably pass on Crowder. I think Robbie Anderson does interest me. I'll say okay. that. Robbie Anderson does interest me because he's actually playing like 35% of his snaps out of the slot. All right. And the, the underneath passing that uh, that they like to run in uh, in Carolina, which is more suitable for Cam Newton, who's average passing yard yard per pass is uh is seven and he's got one pass over 20 yards so far so yeah i think that kind of fits with what they've been doing with robbie anderson and working him out of the slot so i would kind of i would tilt over to anderson as the as a salary saver i might give a look to olamide zacchaeus only because it's jacksonville that he's going up against but i don't hate marquez valdez scantling and it's not just because of that big touchdown that he scored last week it's the fact that if Jalen Ramsey is on Devontae Adams or if they float a little extra coverage his way, the Rams don't really have anything in their secondary beyond that to kind of keep up with MVS. I, I agree with you there. My last dart throw would just be Trester Rogers. Uh, I talked about Tennessee receiver, but he's 3,500. You know, he had six targets last week. Just looking for a punt play receiver, like he's going to be involved here. So is he going to be a great option? Probably not. But I mean, the volume could be there for him. They're going to have to throw, presumably, against New England in this game. So he gave you seven fantasy points last week at 3,500. Dart throw receiver option. What about if you go a little lower there? Can I interest you in a slice of Mac Hollins, perhaps? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are surprised when he finds the end zone, but he has touchdowns now and three, three of the last, last five, five games. Yeah, everybody's ooh, who is that? Eighty six? Is that Gasicki? Is that uh, uh, Mac Collins? What? Yeah. It's, it's possible. It's possible he could get there again. Three touchdowns in five games, hard to ignore. So exactly. So all right, tight ends. 
this is an interesting spot, I guess, because the best matchup on the board for tight ends is Evan Ingram, right? Trotman Where I was looking. Against, Adam Trotman scored against them last week. We talked about it at nauseum. They are dead last in DVOA against the tight end position. They've allowed the most catches, the most yards, the most touchdowns to the tight end position. But it's the Giants, right? It's Evan Ingram. It's there, there's not a lot to love without his top two wide receivers, though. Well, this is what I'm. That's the point I'm making, right? Like nothing about it is great in terms of the team. The player has been incredibly frustrating. But this is where maybe you just close your eyes and play the matchup because no team has been worse against the tight end position than the Philadelphia Eagles this season. I don't know how Evan Engram doesn't change his name to Chalk City. That's what I'm saying, right? Like he's I'm you know, I'm it. I, I built my my Garoppolo lineup and my tight end is Evan Engram. So right. yeah, I, I'm I'm there with you. Yeah, I think you gotta go there. You have Kyle Pitts against Atlanta. I mean against Jacksonville. Could go that direction. Yeah. Yeah, you could go you could go Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, George Kittle. I mean, these guys are they're pricey, they're talented, yeah. they're good. Everything that you want to say about them is uh, is hunky dory. But you know, I, are you paying up for a guarantee? There's no guarantee with these guys up no. top, right? It's not like you got Kelsey there, so you got to look in between there. Um, right, how do you not play want to play Gronk at 44 after the way that he just played? I do want to play Gronk at 44, though I kind of listen. You know, my problem is that I love Noah Fant's matchup the most. But, you know, between Albert Equabinum and the fact that Noah Fant just never seems to get any touchdowns, right? Right? It's aggravating to me. And you look at this game, when Tom Brady needs a play to be made, and we talk about the struggles that they've had on the road this season, Gronk hasn't been there until recently, right? So, I mean, this could, we saw last week, six catches, eight targets, 71 yards, and 4,400. Again, this could be... This is the second lowest price tag we've had on him all year. So I'm very tempted to want Gronkowski in my lineup this week. And then right below him is Pat Fryermuth, and they just put Eric Ebarn on IR, right? So, yeah. you know, touchdowns now, four touchdowns in four weeks for Fryermuth. He's the number one, number one tight end on that team. The targets, the last handful of weeks, seven, nine, six, seven, seven. I mean, $4,300. So, uh, it's another spot where you take a look and you have to at least consider it. He even scored a touchdown against the Bengals in week three. Yeah, he did. He did. Does he go back to that that run there? I mean, listen, I've got and Fant and Engram all in the uh, in the watch list. I did not put Fryermuth in there, but I mean, he could very easily be there. I think that's this is the range I want to hang out in tight end. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to spend up this week. I don't want Gesicki and I don't want Goddard. And I just don't know if it's worth paying up for, for Kittle or Pitts. So, yeah, I mean, Gronk at 44, Fryermuth at 43, Engram at 38. That's probably where I'm going to live this week. I'm with you there. There's not really any value. Is there any value for you that you're interested in? Ryan Griffin, maybe, against Houston, since they're so bad against the tight end. Okay. Six most fantasy points per game. You figure the... The rookie comes back. He leans a little bit on his tight end. Griffin seems to be getting the snaps and the passing work over Tyler Croft, who's a better mm-hmm. blocker. I think that's, but I mean, that's a dart throw like anything else. When all else fails and you just need a $2,600 tight end who may see a target or two. Right. 
Right. Not very endearing. It's not uh, very endearing. No. I agree. Defense. Patriots are 3,900, and they're the top price team. I mean, Tennessee's going in there with nobody. So you just find a way to pay up for them? You find a way to pay up for them. I mean, I, I probably am. I mean, I'm, I've am i built some lineups with a super cheap tight, uh, super cheap defense for right now, but... You know, I yeah, I mean, I I would love to I would love to have nothing but the Patriots. I did the fantasy alarm show today, and my play of the week is the New England defense. Right. <laughs> I'm like, how do you not go to the New England defense, seeing as what's going on here, right? Out of my circle of trust was Ryan Tannehill. I mean, I'm, I'm so pro Patriots right now, it's nauseating. <laughs> I'm debating whether or not to take them in uh in my survivor pool. Wow. They have a I, much, think you, I think you have to pull the trigger on that though. They have a much softer matchup coming down the coming up down the down the road. Let me pull it up because I tried. I, I hate doing this and it's it's almost the kiss of death. But you know when you get to this point, you're like, all right, let me see, let me fill out my picks for the rest of the the season and see what happens there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let me match this up with the schedule. All right, so. I would say I would. All right. So this week, I've got the Ravens right now, penciled in. Home game. They need a big game here. They just they look like shit. I don't like Cleveland's passing game. I know they're getting Kareem Hunt back. I'm still leaning. Baltimore's home. They're at home. That's a thing there. So is New England, which is why I'm looking at them. But I was looking at the Chargers also, and but they're on the road. I'm like, all right, let me avoid that. Let me avoid that. So I do that, and then all of a sudden it becomes uh, week 13. I get to use Minnesota, and they're taking on Detroit. Uh, Granted, it's on the road. I don't love that, but it is Detroit. Then in week 14, it actually allows me to take Tennessee against Jacksonville if they're okay. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they need to have that rebound over the next two weeks for me to like really put my trust in there. Sure. But I mean, I don't really want to take the. I can't even take the Denver Broncos this week. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see. And week 15, Arizona. Week 16, the Chargers. Week 17 to take the Patriots because I figure they'll be fighting for um for that bye week. Right. And mm-hmm. they are at home against the Jaguars. Right. So that's kind of why I'm saving. I was saving the Patriots for uh, for maybe that meet. I don't hate it. I think it's uh, Patriots for Jaguars is definitely a good. I mean, if that's probably the best matchup probably available, right? If you're holding out to Week 17, so yeah. So, uh, so they're the top price defense. Oh yeah, I, are we talking? Are we still talking DFS? I'm sorry, yeah. my bad. It's okay. So they're the top price defense. I like the Eagles against the Giants at 32. If you're a believer in just dysfunction right now. With, with the Eagles, even though they're on the road, it's a divisional game here. Their defense hasn't been awful lately either. Three of the last four weeks, they've had over 10 fantasy points. Um, obviously, they got that one game against uh, the Chargers where they got zero because they didn't even get to the quarterback. But defensive touchdowns in three of those four weeks as well. I think the Giants are just prone to picking right now. Yeah, I agree with that statement 100%. Looking further down, I don't hate Miami. Okay. What do you think about the Falcons? Yeah, so the Falcons are an interesting one, obviously, because of uh, of Jacksonville. But I'll tell you, I mean, so so these bottom barrel defenses, because that's really where we are. 
where we can look. It's Jets, Texans, and it's Falcons, Jaguars, right? So I, I think they're all really good matchups there. Can the Falcons on the road? Uh, if the Jaguars just, if they smartly run the ball, right? A lot of Robinson who came off the injury report. They get Chenault involved. Then all of a sudden, that kind of, that intrigues me a little bit. Maybe it's the Jet fan in me, but Texans defense, dude, right? I mean, Zach Wilson's coming back, his first game back from injury. Definitely liable to make mistakes. There's not a lot of good personnel on this team. Corey Davis, I think, is doubtful now for this game. So I kind of, I'm looking at that Texans D at 2,300 on on DraftKings, and I'm like, ooh. Maybe. Not bad. You I sure can. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm looking at it. I'm like, you know, the last two games, they look pretty good. Right? I mean, you just you think about it. And I'd rather do that than the Jets defense because you still you have more experience with Terod Taylor and, <coughs> excuse me, David Johnson and Brandon Cook. Like, there's more veteran presence on that that Houston team, even though they're total. I just, I, I somehow trust their crap better than the Jets crap. Yeah. That's fine. I can bite into that one. All right, so that's a good way to end this then, talking about taking the Houston Texans defense at 2,300. <laughs> Howard, you got a lineup for us? I have three lineups for you here, John. All right, give, give me the goods. So, because I wanted to do your Jimmy Garoppolo one. Here you go. Hello, and Jonathan Taylor and Jimmy Garoppolo lineup, right? Mm-hmm. Garoppolo, Taylor, Miles Sanders. Justin Jefferson, Debo Samuel, LaVisca Chenault, Evan Engram, Mac Hollins as the uh, super duper pay down, and the Texans D. It's, it's, it's special. It is. It's My grandma says I'm special or like the school district says I'm special. No, I like it. I mean, the Mac Hollins thing obviously is, is uh, special. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, then here you go. Mike. So Tom Brady lineup is Brady, Daryl Henderson, Melvin Gordon, Justin Jefferson, Michael Pittman, LaVisca Chenault, Evan Engram. I use Miles Sanders in the flex and I got the Patriots. Day. OK, that's not bad. I don't uh, know what kind of clubhouse I'm going to have, though, with Tom Brady and the Pats D living there together. Yeah, you never know. So this is the one this is the lineup that I threw together here. Jimmy G at the quarterback. We got Robinson and Melvin Gordon as the two running backs. Uh, we paid up at receiver. We got Debo to go up with Garoppolo. We got Justin Jefferson to come back in that game there. And we have Michael Pittman at 5600. I just think is a really good buy there. I get doubled up at tight ends. I used Evan Ingram and I used Gronk. Uh, and then my Titans, I have the Texans as my defense. So. Interesting. So that's very similar to my uh, my Kirk Cousins lineup, where I go Cousins, and then I go James Robinson and Melvin Gordon. I pair them up with Justin Jefferson. I've got Debo Samuel coming back against them. I went back to LaVisca Chenault again, but, you know, I could easily kind of change that out. Evan Engram, Miles Sanders, and the Texans D. Good. Is it, though? I mean, we have very similar players, so I think so. Yeah, I don't know why I keep getting hit on that that Miles Sanders flex play, but it keeps kind of jumping out of me. He's cheap. He is cheap. He definitely is. Cheapy, cheapy. All right, man, good stuff. It is good stuff. Howard will have the playbook, example lineups, dartboard, everything for you all this weekend. Andrew Coop and I will be on uh, the live stream from 11 to 12 on Sunday. If you have any questions, you know where to get us on Twitter and in Discord. But for now, Howard and I will catch you guys later.